daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time! All season long and even in the offseason, it's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Who's the weirdest star in the whole Kelsey Taylor Swift situation? It's got to be Donna Kelsey, right? The weirdest star? <laughs> Donna, like the weirdest star of all this is Donna Kelsey, right? Because she kind of has become a star, though. She's on. She's a reluctant star. Right. Except for, is she? Because she's on a lot of stuff. The reluctant star is Mr. Kelsey, right? I just saw him on all the footage. That the uh, J- Jason went to uh, Disney World with his family, right? And he went. The dad went. Yeah, but he's not in the chunky Campbell's commercials or any of that. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I know the Kelseys are all Amer- you know, they're they're Americana, but they all want a piece of that Campbell's chunky soup money, except for the dad. The dad's just like, I'm here for whatever. I get to say hi to Taylor on the way by. How you doing, sweetheart? You're almost daughter-in-law? My heavens. All right. Anyway, I'm just saying. There's Brittany Mahomes. She's, I guess she's. <laughs> no, she's. No, she's. That, maybe that's the answer. She's not question. my favorite. She's not my favorite star in all this. All right. Enough of the enough of the Brittany <laughs> Mahomes <laughs> slander. Stop Our, it. <laughs> I'm not slandering her. Uh, boy, you saw that his dad got a DWI or an alleged DWI this weekend, right? Patrick, yeah, it's unfortunate. Oof. All right. Let's kick off the program this hour. Our sponsor of the show is G2G Bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar, sponsors of this program, but also sponsors of your activities. Okay? Go try them today. Holiday Oil, Maverick, Costco, uh, Associated Foods, and all across the Wasatch Front in the refrigerated section. Ben Anderson joining us on the program as we get things kicked off. That's how we start things off with the cut, so let's do it. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with J.J. and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ben Anderson joining us on the program. You, of course, can read his byline at kslsports.com. If you need to understand anything when it comes to the Utah Jazz, uh, he's your guy. And he's also, of course, uh, with Jake and Ben every day from 10 to noon on this very station. What's up, Ben? How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Oh, we're fantastic. Uh, We were saved last night. We were so we were so desperate for anything football related, and the, and yet the Jazz come through with an amazing game, a rare home game for the Jazz on a Sunday, and man, they came through and they've swept the Bucks officially this year. I did not have them beating the Bucks by a total of thirty eight points this season, but uh, here we are. This Jazz team is officially all over the map. Yeah, after losing six of eight and losing to a really down Philadelphia team that has been blown out a bunch recently, I did not see the Jazz beating. The Milwaukee Bucks, especially when trailing by 14 points a minute into the fourth quarter. But as you've said, and it's, it's I guess, the charm of, of Will Hardy and what's made this team interesting is they're pretty unexpected. It's hard to it's hard to get a finger exactly on what they're going to do night in and night out. Whereas, you know, I feel like we got to a point with the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder rosters of just knowing, like, 
hey, well, they'll probably win this game because they don't lose a lot of games to teams they're worse than. And then if they're not as good as this team, they probably don't stand a chance. But, you know, this Will Hardy team just seems to, to find ways to win games that you wouldn't expect them to at all. Well, Ben, before we dig into this matchup and the trade deadline ahead, I just wanted to bring up that the atmosphere last night at the game was electric. And I think there was this thought or belief that if the Jazz played more Sunday regular season games, that fans wouldn't show up. But, man, that was not the case last night. That place was rocking. Yeah, and, you know, it might be different, I guess, if the Jazz played every Sunday night, which really no team in the NBA does. But I think a handful of NBA games, I think we have a large enough population uh, that is willing to support the Utah Jazz, that they will turn out and they will, you know, they will support this team. And if you have to play three, if you have to play five a year, or, you know, if we end up with an expansion NFL, or, excuse me, NHL team or uh, Major League Baseball team, which are going to have to play on Sundays, I think you'll see support. So, yeah, that what it was an issue when I was a young person in the state of Utah, I don't think is as much of a question mark as it once was. Ben, uh, looking at last night's box score and, and watching it kind of unfold the way that it did, the Jazz had success the way that they typically do when they, when they win games like that. Uh, seven guys in double figures. The minutes are spread around a ton. You have a you have a couple guys, including Jay Crowder, who are doing forty plus minutes for the uh, for the Bucks last night. But the Jazz they really spread those minutes out. Who was the most impressive though across the board there for the Jazz? Was it Colin Sexton? I I was even I'm watching John Collins on some of these makes and on some of these alley oops and things like that. And I'm like, gosh, I like that guy. Who was impressive to you last night? Uh, who kind of stood out in that win over the Bucks? Yeah, I think John Collins' numbers have been really good lately, and his plus-minus has not been awesome for a stretch there. When the Jazz were winning all those games, it was really high, and it's kind of gone back where most nights you look at it, and he has a negative plus-minus, and you're kind of wondering what's going on. But I think he is giving you consistency, which is a, which is a good thing for Collins. But, but you know, he was not the best player last night. It really was either Keontae George or Walker Kessler, which, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, you love the idea that your two first- or second-year players are outperforming Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard in the second half of a game that you could probably categorize as must win with how many losses the Jazz have had in their difficult upcoming schedule. So for those guys to step up and play as well as they did, I think was really promising. And maybe more so for Keontae George, just because it looked like at the end of January, he had hit the rookie wall. He had made six shots over five games, uh, just could not run up and down the floor, looked like his legs were totally gone. And then, though, the Jazz have lost, you know, had lost three straight going into last night's game. He kind of slowly got his rhythm back and was making shots. And some of it was just playing in the fourth quarter when the Jazz were down big. And you thought, well, those don't really matter all that much. But he, he kind of seemed to dial in a little bit. And, and he's hitting shots again. And, and he's always been pretty good in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I thought he was great last night. Uh, great thoughts on Keontae. Agree with you. It's, it's, it felt like there was a rookie wall there. feels like he's over it now, and I think this could be a big boost for him. Another player you mentioned, Walker Kessler, what a great effort last night. They don't win that game without his effort as well. And it's been a weird year for Walker Kessler coming off the uh, USA national team uh, stint and then getting hurt earlier in the year, and he never really seemed to find his groove, and he's coming off the bench. It's just been a different year for them, for him. Do you feel like he's starting to come around and how would you evaluate his season and, and maybe what's been holding him back and, and what he, what he can do to uh, become the player we thought he was going to be this year? Yeah, I do believe there was some sophomore slump, which I think is a real thing where you just start making other teams scouting reports and he had a long summer and he's played all this basketball and his role changes a little bit. And he's just trying to, you know, he has the elbow injury, all these things I think can add up. And 
you know, a, a little drop off on the NBA in the NBA can look like a lot. I, I think game to game, he's playing a little bit fewer minutes uh, at times than he was. And it's kind of interesting with Walker. I was looking at it last night. His games when he plays 27 minutes or more, the Jazz basically never win. And it's, he's done it like seven or eight times this year. I think the Jazz have two wins in the stretch. It's just not been the ideal situation for the Jazz when he's playing that many minutes. And I think also that can be hard for a guy who, you know, was a five-star recruit and played a bunch of North Carolina, played a bunch at Auburn, certainly, and then burst on the NBA scene and by game 40 was starting. So, I think trying to figure out how to impact games off the bench or in limited minutes when you don't have these long stints on the floor can be hard. Uh, but again, you you know he's got to grow, he's got to adapt to the NBA. Those minutes are always aren't always going to be there for him. So I think the fact that he is in his second season now, kind of continuing to grow, he looks like one of the premier front court players for the Jazz already. Uh, I think that's a really promising sign and a good sign for his evolution that he he is versatile, that he can adapt when he's put into a difficult situation. Let's talk a little bit more about second year guys. And uh, let's talk about Will Hardy and year one, we were all just kind of watching and seeing exactly what this really young coach was going to do. And I think everybody's been super impressed by his demeanor and he seems to have a, a, a distinct style and he lets guys play and he lets things kind of get figured out, but he also has obviously some goals for his team. But now you're a year and a half in what's the evaluation of Will Hardy Albeit if we don't know everything about him, what is it that, that I guess other people see Will Hardy doing from the outside looking in? We tend to like him because he's new, but at the same time, how do you evaluate uh, Will Hardy so far into his young career? No, I think he's very well respected by coaches around the league. I mean, they know where he comes from uh, under Greg Popovich and the year he spent in Boston. So he certainly has the respect and actually knows a lot of people just because he has been around and has coached Team USA. So he, he's worked with a lot of guys. Uh, and what I've been surprised is a the buy-in he gets from his players, and b his ability to change things and tinker things and you know move guys in and out of rotations and still get buy-in from the team. I mean, you know he moves Colin Sexton into the starting lineup in mid-December. Colin has the best maybe 25 game stretch of his career, considering you know the, the the games actually mattered. He was playing a lot of games in Cleveland that you know the outcomes didn't matter, but he was scoring a lot of points. But he's playing all these important games. The Jazz climb up the standings, and then they're in a game against Damian Lillard and the Milwaukee Bucks, and he benches him for the entire fourth quarter for a rookie. And who's the first guy out on the court celebrating with everybody? It's Colin Sexton. So there is buy-in into what I think Will Hardy is selling his roster, which I'm not sure a lot of coaches get at that level. Uh, and he's doing it in his second season. I think it's because he came in kind of established that that's how it was going to be and never really awarded minutes without players earning them. And that was a big thing for Will Hardy, and he stuck with it. And I think if you can get guys to understand that it's not a personal issue, it's a matchup issue, and you can actually kind of show that night in and night out, I think you will get some some buy-in, and it feels like he has it from his team. To be honest, the excitement of Sunday's win over the Bucks is overshadowed by the looming trade deadline on Thursday. Jazz play on Thursday at Phoenix. It could be possible that – they have a different roster on Thursday for that game. Just wanted to get your first, your overall thoughts on what the uh, trade deadline could mean for Utah and what sense do you get uh, going in here just a couple days away? Yeah, I think both of those teams, the Jazz and the Suns, could see some overhauls. The Suns are certainly playing much better basketball now than they were at the beginning of the season, but they still have weird losses, like getting beat pretty soundly by the Atlanta Hawks, who have not been good this year. And, you know, that they had their cold stretch early and you know they it seems like they figured out and they take a step back and 
they've been rumored to be involved in the Miles Bridges trade. I, I would more believe the Suns are probably in that conversation than the Jazz are, though the Jazz continue to have their names floated in that situation. Uh, I, I do think Quentin Grimes makes a lot of sense for the Jazz uh, from the New York Knicks. Just based on what the Knicks need, they could use another veteran big guy like Kelly Olynyk in the front court because they have injuries to Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. They did trade away a lot of scoring in the backcourt. And as much as I think you like Dante DiVincenzo and Quentin Grimes, who are somewhat similar players in their ability to kind of shoot off movement, having another player who can create their own shot is really valuable. And that's something the Jazz have three or four guys in the backcourt that can do and probably overlap a little bit in Utah, but might have a lot of value somewhere else. So Grimes is a player who at 23 years old, six foot five, you know, good shooter, but doesn't need the ball a lot and would be the best defender of the backcourt for the Jazz, I think would make a lot of sense. And would probably fit next to Keontae George uh, as the future backcourt of the Jazz if he can continue to develop. And he's just kind of fallen out of favor in New York. They've got an all-star guard in Jalen Brunson, and I mentioned DiVincenzo's breakout and move us to a uh, starting front court, or excuse me, starting backcourt player full-time. So that might be the type of guy I could see the Jazz targeting. And, you know, they could take back bad salaries from the Knicks if they wanted to, or, there's draft capital that could get swapped between the two teams. So I, I do think you're seeing a lot of smoke with the, with that rumor for a reason. What's a bad position for the Jazz, the Jazz to finish in this year? And I, obviously that has something to go into with the, with the, with the trade lit deadline. And, and I don't know if you're angling, if, if you're the front office for a, not a throwaway year or certainly not even a throwaway second half of the season, but what would be kind of a disastrous finish for them? Would they be giving up a lot if they ended in a certain position? I know that that 10 spot is a weird spot for them to go into. What are the implications with the OKC's pick this, this coming year? Because this is one of those seasons that among the next few that they don't have a ton of actual uh, picks in the draft. So what's kind of the best or worst spot for them to finish in, uh, in the Western conference standings for this season? Yeah, their draft pick that they owe the Oklahoma City Thunder as part of the Derek Favor salary dump is top 10 protected. So if the Jazz, I think we're going to finish like right there at number 10 and get the lowest possible pick, meaning, you know, the, the worst possible pick they mm-hmm. could get in this draft, which is not a very good draft. It's just amazing to see the names that pop up and sink down and pop up and sink down and not convey that pick and then be a little bit backed up because you can't trade, you know, back-to-back picks until they convey that that would be difficult to the jazz. It would just limit their ability to make some moves and may force them to, you know, trade a Minnesota pick or a Cleveland pick or their Lakers pick in the future that they may prefer to hold on to gambling that they're, you know, shorting somebody else to lose games versus having to say, Oh man, we would, you know, if we're having a bad season, look at the Memphis Grizzlies where injuries have just decimated your year there's a chance you could lose your draft pick just, you know, in a fluke situation that I don't think you want to do. So ideally, I just think you convey that draft pick, whether you make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. I think you, you unload that draft pick this year, just because it makes the future easier. And again, I mean, you know, we're still not seeing Taylor Hendricks play real minutes with the jazz. Right. We're, we're still not seeing uh, Bryce sense play any real minutes with the jazz. So if next year is about their development into the rotation and you're playing, Second-year guys then, I don't think anyone actually cares if that was, you know, a rookie pick this year. They're both only going to be 20, 21 years old, and that's where you can use that development. I think that's totally fine, and I'm sure the Jazz would be comfortable doing that. Which player or players do you think are most likely to be moved by Thursday, or do the Jazz stay put? Uh, I I would say Kelly Olenek is probably the most likely, uh, just because of 
you know, the depth the Jazz have at that spot if they wanted to bring in Taylor Hendricks. And Taylor Hendricks is not ready to help you win games the same way that Kelly Olynyk is. But Kelly Olynyk's 32. He's got an expiring contract. He's got a lot of value around the NBA. So as much as, you know, he doesn't fit the Jazz timeline, he also probably is the piece they could get the most back for uh, with really making a pretty easy swap. You don't have to take back a bunch of big salaries. You could probably even take back another expiring or something that expires next year. Uh, and I could see that happening. And of course, I think Jordan Clarkson would be number two. I just think those are the those are the names you hear consistently. And I think there's a reason you hear those names consistently. And again, you know, Jordan was great yesterday in the fourth quarter. So if the Jazz hold on to him and decide they want to use him, and Kelly Olynyk was great, and the Jazz decide what they want to use him, I, I think they would feel comfortable going into the offseason with those guys, knowing that Jordan's uh, salary drops significantly off in the offseason and he comes back. And I think we'll still maintain a bunch of trade value or veteran leadership on the team. And if you wanted to sign Kelly Olynyk, you could do that again this offseason. So I, I don't feel like the Jazz have a gun to their head uh, that they have to make a trade by any means. But if they get the right offer that they feel like makes them better and puts them closer to a title in the next few years, they will do it. Uh, Jazz tomorrow against a pretty darn good Thunder team uh, who are coming to town. Then they go... Uh, I think, oh, and then they head to Phoenix and then uh, back at home again with the Warriors and then Lakers and Warriors again before the all-star break here. So you have a, you have a, you know, a handful of games here for the Jazz, but this Thunder team, are they the biggest shock in the West here? I mean, obviously, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a, 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 I would have never thought that that guy was, his name would be, you know, in the conversation for MVP. But at this point, I think if you were to end the season, he might be the odds on favorite to win it. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've certainly put themselves in that conversation, which is fascinating as quickly as they've done it with, you know, a young player in Chet Holmgren playing his first real season in the NBA, how impactful he's been and how good Jalen Williams has become, become. So I did not see that happening this quickly. I thought, you know, maybe they are a four seed, a five seed, but to jump up to the two seed, three seed, and, you know, they would host Denver potentially in a first round match or in a second round matchup. Uh, that would certainly be impressive. I wouldn't pick them to beat Denver, but the fact that they'd even have that opportunity is a, is a major growth. But honestly, it might, it might be the Clippers. I mean, I, I just yeah. kind of thought the Clippers, you're ready to put dirt on them. They just kind of never hit that peak. They'd have moments, and then inevitably they were injured, and that could absolutely still happen in the last 30 games of the year. If, if you get a major injury to Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, which seems to happen every season, you're going to be in trouble. But they have figured out how to make James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard all work on the same team. And then I think one of the things that we kind of underrated was they didn't give up hardly any depth when they traded for James Harden. Like they, they still have a lot of key guys that are complementary pieces where when you look at what the Nets gave up or what Philly has given up, so often when you when you acquire an all-star level player like Harden, you have to give up so many assets and players just to get it done that you're left decimated. And they didn't do that at all. So they've got good depth. They've got a really good front court. And then they have the star power where realistically they could win a title this year. And I guess if we look back, we said, well, yeah, they've got four future Hall of Famers. They've got Zubats, who's a very good center. And then they've got playable upper echelon depth. Uh, in the second unit that that will help them and they could even try and get something done at the deadline to to get even deeper so uh that they've probably been my biggest surprise just how functional it's been yeah i agree with you if the clippers stay healthy and that's a big if i think they're the biggest threat to the nuggets in the western 25 and 5 since december they're good i think december think about it they've got three of the best players of the last decade on that team so wild they certainly have that ability last one for you i've been is just all-star break the jazz will be represented although not on the all-star team 
You got uh, uh, Walker Kessler and Keontae George will be in the Rising Stars. And we learned today that Lowry Markkinen's in the three-point contest. Are you surprised by that? And how uh, how serious do you think he's going to be uh, to go there and try to win that thing? I had heard Markkinen's name kind of floated as an idea, and I wondered, you know, is he is he definitely going to go? Because if there's a you know, late reserve needed, he's already in Indiana, and that helps yeah. him. I mean, I don't think it's that devious, but but it's certainly a possibility, <laughs> and he knows he's on that short list of guys along with Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and maybe Albert and Shingun who could get picked up to, to represent the West if there are injuries, which seems like every year there are. Uh, but, you know, good for him. He wants to be a part of stuff. I actually think that's beneficial. I, I think you have to be in that mindset a little bit and want to be a part of the NBA. And I think sometimes that's hard for a guy like Lowry Markkinen, who, yes, he was a lottery pick, but kind of fell out of the mainstream NBA picture. I, I, I like that he goes and hangs out with the All-Stars and wants to be a part of it and, you know, sits courtside and probably makes friends at All-Star Weekend. I think that's beneficial. Uh, and then, you know what, I think it's good that you're seeing uh, Keontae George and Walker Kessler both go in with some momentum. And Keontae George, I think, is going to try and put on a show. He He's familiar with all those guys. He was one of those top AAU players before going to Baylor. So uh, I think that's kind of his his stage that he could perform well on. So uh, good for him for being a part of it as well. Yeah, we were actually talking about this last week, and I don't think we were able to chat with you about it. But of all the guys that got shorted, I think that the that the Kings probably have an argument. Oh, uh yeah. <laughs> with De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis both being left off and the fact that they're kind of still plumb thick in the uh, playoff hunt there. But, but the problem is we couldn't come up with somebody to take right. off. Right. Who do you take off? Who was who definitely the biggest snub off of the All-Star team, and who would you actually replace him with? Yeah, I would probably say it's Sabonis. Uh, I think he's the best player on the Kings. If you wanted to say De'Aaron Fox, you could. I mean, he averages almost 30 points a game, maybe does average 30 points a game. I haven't checked recently, but yeah, I mean, that's crazy. They, they are firmly in the top six right now in the West. I think they've even jumped the Dallas Mavericks. The standings change every hour, it seems like. But, you know, the Pelicans are also in that conversation. And the problem for the Pelicans is they don't even have players with the high statistical profile that you've seen from De'Aaron Fox and from Demonis Sabonis. But if you told me, you know, they needed to be represented because they're one of the, you know, seemingly surefire playoff teams in the West, I would buy that. And if you wanted to put Brandon Ingram in there or you wanted to put Zion Williamson in there, uh, I, I would totally listen to it. So that is the problem for the Jazz and for Lowry Markkinen is that even if somebody does get hurt, uh, Lowry might be the fifth guy that they call up to replace uh, whoever that is. So I would probably say Sabonis is the biggest snob and would be the most likely to get that nod. And you know what? There's some interesting ties there with him uh, starting his career in Indiana, and they seem to like to do that. I think uh, Adam Silver would understand that. Ben Anderson, you can hear him on uh, Jake and Ben every day, of course, 10 to noon, and then uh, read his byline there at kslsports.com. Give him a follow on Twitter. They have the uh, Jazz Notes uh, newsletter. You need to absolutely get informed on every day with that thing. Uh, every time that the, a new a new one drops, you got to be able to make sure that you're the first person to get it so that you can get all that information. Ben Anderson. Ben, thanks for hanging out, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. There thanks, you go. Ben. There's Ben Anderson, everybody. Great stuff. Good as always. No, as always, for sure. Uh man. The Clippers, they are I, they are they're just right I now. I know no one wants to hear that. And I think there we still have a little bit of like from that playoff series. Twenty five and five completely wrecked that that era of jazz basketball. Yes. But they're healthy and they're good. And yeah, I think yeah. the Nuggets better be ready. Twenty five and five since uh December second. Yeah. Wow, not bad, not bad. And the only teams that they've lost to it's like the it's like the Celtics one night, 
you know. You get that. Uh, not a bad, not bad losses. No, they are no, no, rolling. no, no, no. They're no. rolling. And they and they certainly. I mean, they won nine in a row. Then they lose one. Then they then they win seven in a row. Then they lose one. That's a good team. Been really good. All right. That's a real bummer for Jazz fans. Clippers, <laughs> gosh dang it. Does that does not get anybody's juice? I mean, sometimes flowing. we'll go, hey, oh, they'll show up in the playoffs. And like, we all right know there are a lot of Clippers fans out there, right? <laughs> Who is like the f- most famous season ticket holder? Who was it back Clipper then? Clipper Daryl. Oh, it was Billy Crystal. That's what it was. Clipper, uh, Clipper Daryl, right? Right. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Clipper Daryl, and now you got Steve Ballmer going, we got so many toilets! Woo! And Russell Wilson's like, can I come? Oh, Russell Westbrook? Wilson. Wilson. With the toilets? You you haven't heard that, right? No, I haven't. What? There was, well, not last year, but the year before, (laughs) there was a uh, thing in Broncos Nation, people keeping track of the fact that Russell Wilson's house had more bathrooms than he had touchdown passes his first year with the Broncos. It took a while before he before he was able to uh, pass the number of bathrooms. Wow, in his house. And see, I but here's the thing with touchdown passes. I don't. I'm not going to diss him on that. You know why? Most of those are for Sierra. Sierra. Look, I'm not judging Sierra. the man. You can never have too many bathrooms, but you better be. If you're an NFL quarterback, you better be able to throw more touchdown passes than you have bathrooms in your giant oh, yeah. house. Oh yeah. Right. Boy, is that too much to ask? No, no, no. The Andy Reid doing the punt pass kick contest. Uh, that never gets old. It never gets old. How on earth was he a 12-year-old? Gosh. Both you and I have kids who are like, hey, can they hit a growth spurt? Andy Reid was 39 years old as a 12-year-old. Crazy. The most <laughs> mature 12-year-old in the history of planet Earth was Andy Reid. <laughs> I know. I've never seen it. And I've seen a lot of kids playing baseball games that you're like, he wouldn't on. do it, but he could have bought beer when he was that age. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. Uh, could have bought cigarettes. I had nope. a friend like that in high school. Yeah. Just like, I, I think, think everybody had that friend 13 that years old and was shaving three like, times a day. Looked like a man at age 12. Greek. Yeah, usually. <laughs> Mediterranean. <All right. laughs> Come on in, kid. Greek. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to uh, take a break. We'll come back. We've got tons still to go on the program, all right? We're going to jump in, and we're just going to keep going. By the way, on Thursday, we're going to roll out yet another of our Hercules Credit Union Hercules Heroes of the Week. We want to get your submissions. We'll keep them rolling. KSLsports.com slash contest. You might be asking yourself, JJ, you might be asking yourself, who could we nominate? Anybody. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's involved with youth sports in any way. Somebody who's done an amazing job in youth sports in your neighborhood, in your school, if they they work at the school, but they just do an above and beyond job. If they're a parent that just does a phenomenal job uh, coordinating everybody, I think everybody knows that team mom that will do way more than you've ever done for your kid's team Yes, in one weekend. So if there's somebody who's like that in your your neighborhood, you can nominate them today – and they'll win a $50 gift card if we choose them as the Hercules Credit Union Hercules Hero of the Week. KSLsports.com slash contest. And we'll uh, every Thursday, we'll roll, we'll roll out a winner. So nominate them today. KSLsports.com slash contest. It's a Hercules Hero of the Week. We'll come back. More to go around the corner. 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. On 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. 
accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. All right. I'll bite. Uh, I think what's his name? Uh, everybody's favorite commish, Roger Goodell. Does anyone really have a favorite commish? <laughs> are the com- I know. Are the commissioners the most unpopular sports figures? They like, are. Rob Manfred's terrible. Don't say that. Rob Manford would even tell you he's terrible, but he doesn't care. <laughs> he's getting paid millions of dollars, and he's Dude, doing the job with on, baseball's owners. He doesn't care. Dude. Roger Goodell. Come on, man. I mean, how, I mean, Roger Goodell gets booed at the draft. I've always loved Rob Manfred. Okay. And Gary Bettman, what a guy. <laughs> See what I'm doing here? Probably the way, a team sport here. By the way, TJ, Gary Bettman had to answer probably 492 questions about NHL to Utah, and he seemed annoyed every time he had to Oh, answer. he was. They were like, because the Canadians showed up. <laughs> it was in Toronto. Yeah. Of course they showed <laughs> I up. I know what I'm saying. All their media came, and they go, why are we hearing about Atlanta? And they already failed a couple of times there. <laughs> why do we have to hear about them? And then Gary Bettman's all, why don't you ask them? All right? Don't ask me. I'm not the one who put the bid together. Get out of here. Gary Bettman went Nick Saban on the NHL oh, he media did. this weekend. So quit asking. <laughs> Rat poison. What did they what did they always say? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I don't feel bad at all for Gary Bettman because I'm glad that uh NHL to Utah is such a hot topic around the NHL. It's been weird, right? We've had to we, we haven't been in that space as a market where and, mm-hmm. and as media as well, like where I'm following mm. Um, NHL media and, and reports and different things because I'm curious to know what the status is. And it's being discussed a lot. It's caused a lot of buzz. And of all the places that are on the uh, radar for the NHL, Utah's at the top of the list. There's no doubt about it. Listen. Oh, yeah. They were the most – what did he say? They've been the most annoying about it. Or, no, aggressive. <laughs> There's a fine line. Because there were girls in high school who called me annoying, Right? And you don't want to be you don't want to be aggressive or annoying, all right? Don't be that guy. You want to be kind of cool. So Utah, yeah. play it cool, man. You want to hear about how much these guys get paid, by the way, these commissioners. <laughs> so Gary Bettman. Now this is the NHL, but he still makes ten million dollars a year. Ten million dollars. That's a good. That's a good living. Well, yeah, because the but but I mean in baseball terms, yeah. So. Uh, Rob Manfred, $20 million a year. Roger Goodell makes $70 million a year. Wow. Just signed a new deal. 70. $70 million a year. So he's the highest paid. Uh, the contracts that guys like Lamar Jackson, right? And they, they're, just, they're, they're all nitpicking and trying to be $51.4 million a year, right. $52.1 million a year. Roger Goodell's over here like, ah, 70 million is fine. 
Now, he gets paid by the owners to represent the owners and the owners' uh, interests. So I get it, but, man. And the NFL's thriving. And oh, yeah. Number one league by far. He's, he's guided the uh, league through some interesting moments over the last decade and a half. <laughs> $70 million, the commissioner of the NFL. That's $70 million, my but that, goodness. But, again, Major League Baseball's commissioner makes 20 So you make five times, or you make more than, uh, or just under five times more than that guy makes? Gary Bettman's only making $10 million a year? That just shows you how big the NFL is, right? The NFL is king. And not just that, how hard it is to operate. Uh, Oh, no, after bonuses, sorry, Manfred is uh, $25 million a year. Oh, okay. So There you go. No, don't talk trash about Rob Manfred. We need that guy. Hey, I've got some stuff to give away right now. Is that right? Caller number 12 to 575 Zone gets a four-pack of sweet tickets. Are you hearing this? To fierce fighting championships that are going on at the Maverick Center on February 10th. Are you hearing this? A four-pack of sweet tickets. If you've never been in one of the suites at the Maverick Center, get some snacks in there. Oh, yeah. It's tons of fun. So if you, if you want to experience that, fierce fighting championships at the Maverick Center on February 10th. We're giving away a four-pack of sweet tickets, 575 Zone. If you've never been, just go do the sweet ticket experience and check out Fierce Fighting Championships at the Maverick Center. There you go. 801-575-ZONE. That's 801-575-9663. Now, this was actually posed, and I am all sorts of grumpy about it, but somebody suggested in – there's a there's a media CEO who has suggested that, and this is a person who used to be, he was the ESPN's president for a long, long time. He says, it's John Skipper, and he says that the NFL and the Super Bowl will go to a pay-per-view format sooner rather than later in the future. No. no. Why not? Because you'd cut your viewership significantly because – while some people are willing to pay it, the big draw, the reason why you can get 250 million people to watch the game or whatever the number is. I don't know what the number is officially. It's like 110 million. or, yeah, okay. 120 or something. Yeah. It's on free over-the-air TV. It's on one of the big networks. It's on Fox, CBS, and NBC, and there's a three-year there's a three-year rotating, I guess you call it a rotation. Right, right. Is it where, three years? Yes, it's three years. So I'm going to the Super Bowl next year in 2025 because I'll, it's on I'll go KSL with you. and NBC. You Fine. Might, you joking. You might have to come with me. I'll go with you. We can't do this show no. without you. I'll bring a Comrex. You're in. And I'll come with us. Now, where is the Super Bowl next year? New Orleans. <sighs> what? I'm No, I'm Dude. not saying that. I'm not grumpy about the place. I'm the saying. Food. No, I know, but I, but Vegas is such an easy drive. And that's so much easier You've to convince You've been to Vegas a million times. I know, but you know how neat Donald is. But I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure doing JJ and Alex. <laughs> I want to uh, thank all of you I'm that have been saying, listening in the very short period of time the show has get, existed. If we could get I General, bid you all a fun hey, farewell. If we could get General now, RV. Now back to my television job, uh, since I no longer have one in radio, thanks to Alex. We could get General RV to do one of the drive things. And now you're changing it the down. subject. You're no, just going to completely just gloss over what you just said publicly. My goodness. Nate is the first to tell you that he will cut Oof. some things on the travel budget. You can, you, can, you can go have that conversation with him now. I'm staying out of that. 
Hey, Nate, I'm just thinking, for the team, we should probably go to the Super Bowl. JJ, We are going to the Super Bowl in 2025 in New Orleans. Yeah. We go every year. It's on KSL and NBC. Watch Peacock be like this. Hey, Peacock, Peacock only. Oh, can you <laughs> imagine? We got, a, we got a big story here. Roger Goodell's here to announce that the Super Bowl will only be available on Peacock. And... <laughs> In order to get it, you can't, you don't just have, you can't, not just Peacock, but Peacock Premium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on, man. Who would pay? How much? Okay, let me throw this up. These media CEOs wouldn't make a dumb decision like this. Bringing this up. Don't you work for Cable Town? (laughs) You have brought up an interesting question. How much would you pay to watch the Super Bowl? Because we watch it for free. I know. What would you pay to watch it? I actually have gotten to the point now where I would prefer not to have the commercials. So I'm going to pay, I'd pay 20 bucks. I'd pay 19.95. You think that's what they're going to charge for it? <laughs> Are just, you joking me? That's entry level. That's entry level. Yeah, so I know. Pay-per-view, pay-per-view on like the fights. For on pay-per-view UFC. on fights. Yes. 75, 79. Okay. A big fight. 99 bucks. Boxing isn't what it used to be. There's still some fights. Tyson Fury will demand. Yeah, a, sixty a fifty bucks. to seventy-five dollar pay-per-view yeah. charge. You think the NFL's just going to charge twenty bucks? No way. To start it off, this is stupid. They're, it's never going to happen. Roger Goodell said today. So he was asked re- in this press conference he just had, "Would is can you see a day where the uh, Super Bowl would just be streaming?" He says, "Not in my time." And then they go, "What if we could get Next you a question. payday like uh, Floyd Money Mayweather used to get in boxing?" Where do I sign? I love Peacock TV. He would wear a Peacock tail to promote it. Let That's me throw how much this out there. $100 million in a weekend for Roger Goodell, he would do Those it. Those of you think the pay-per-view thing is a good idea, what did pay-per-view do for boxing? But Remember it is the, its the, own place, The Muhammad Ali fights were not place. pay-per-view. Boxing in its glory days. They were not on pay-per-view. And once it went to pay-per-view, the sport went to crap. No, because you know why? Because of that? It wasn't easily accessible for everybody to watch, and so people found other things to watch. UFC has a niche, but one of the things holding UFC back is the fact that they charge for the fights, and you can't just watch it in your living room. Fine. Okay. The NFL is popular because it's so accessible to everybody. It's easy to watch the games. The commercials, everybody loves them. But the halftime would have to step their game up. And they'd have to start paying the artists, too, frankly. Come on, start paying people. If Taylor Swift doesn't sing one song, I'm going to be upset. She's going to be there already. Let her sing one song. Taylor, Sp- Taylor Swift's going to pay a lot of money to watch Usher. <laughs> I know. You How know much she's... is the suite they're going to be in? That's I, get, I guarantee you million. she's going to foot the, the bill. The suites are two and a half million. She's going to foot the bill. You don't think Patrick Mahomes would... Like, do the thing where he feigns, what? like, reaching for the bill. Oh, hold on. Let me get it. It's like your dad's oh, you dinner with it? your friends, okay. and you're like, you know which Taylor, one of your no. friends has the best income, Taylor, right? No, so it's like, no, 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 no. Let me. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Let yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Brittany Mahomes. He's like, oh, let me get that, Tay. Uh, you oh, got the Bills I game. soccer team. You got the Bills game. Well, that was $13,000 <laughs> at Buffalo Stadium. That's $2.5 All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Got tons to go still on the show. A Monday edition of the program. Uh, around the corner. Ranking all the cities of the places for fans to visit. Is this going to be, is this going to doom us as a possible problem city to expand the NHL or Major League Baseball too? We'll come back. We'll talk about it next. I got a problem with this. <laughs> 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, the, 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 the biggest name. You're locked into JJ and Alex. Oh, yeah.
with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Continuing here, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Appreciate it. So, JJ, you've been you've covered a couple of Super Bowls in the flesh. Yes. So next year, NBC's got the got the Super Bowl, so presumably you would be going to cover that one as well. Yes. But since you've done the Super Bowl thing, what if they said, hey man, you got a choice? NFL's first game in Brazil in Sao Paulo or the Super Bowl? Ooh. Which one do you do? I've never been to Brazil. That's tempting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done a Super Bowl, so it's not like... Yeah, pfft, old been... hat for you. It's stupid now. <laughs> that sounds At this terrible. point, it's dumb. That sounds <laughs> At this terrible. point, the Super Bowl is annoying. Uh, I've covered so many of them. <laughs> oh, here it is. First I mean, I guess I'll go. Problems. I mean, I just, you know... I don't know. If I can't fly business class down to Brazil, got, I don't got know. Got to been there, do done it. that. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe Brazil sounds fun. It's be new and interesting. Let me know. see. Handful of Super Bowls. Never been to Brazil that time of year. That would have been a better response. You know oh, what? I like Brazil in the fall. Late August <laughs> in Brazil may not be that good. Oh, no. Hold on. South of the equator. Um, yeah, we had to, had to. Yeah. We're dumb here. So we had to figure that out. It took about. <laughs> Five minutes to realize that's not really paradise actually, that time here. No, no, it's but I think it's close enough to the equator. equator that doesn't matter. It's still semi-tropical. Okay, the, okay. See again, show, I, showing I'm how shocked. ignorant, stupid I am. I'm shocked that Brazil would be the place. I think it's cool though um, that they're, they're they're playing in Brazil. That's fun. Uh, of so all the places. Eagles, the Eagles got announced as one of the teams today. Yes, they I did. don't know why they wouldn't say the other team, but oh, yeah, probably send some me, other teams. Send me to Sao Paulo, Brazil. I'll do it. There are probably some other teams who are like this. Do we have to go? You know these teams hate traveling internationally oh, to play games. this type of – now, it's not the jet lag situation that you're going to get doing the, like, eight-hour time true, change. True, But it's still not great. No. All right. Uh, let me see here. I was just wondering. So, I was looking at this list, and it looks like, according to a recent study that shows that it shows all of the top and bottom uh, destinations for the NBA, for visiting fans. Now, we found out last week that the most, that the places that teams miss the most games, that players sit out for whatever reason, uh, the most is Denver and Salt Lake. Yeah. So they come on these road trips and they're like, you know what, I'm going to miss that game. I'm not going. I'm not going to play. Put me down for ankle soreness. Put me down for uh, left shoulder soreness, questionable, and then mark me as out. Load management. Load management. Okay. So I was shocked to see this this week, where the a study that showed the best and worst destinations for visiting fans in the NBA actually had Denver at number one for the most favorable for visiting fans to go to. Now, they took into account 
accessibility, restaurants nearby, uh, I'm assuming gentlemen's clubs. <laughs> I don't know. What do you put on this list? I've because been to, I've been to that arena. There's not I'm I'm not understanding this. I don't either. Because Ball Arena in Denver yeah, is used to be whatever. the Pepsi Center. Now, the dead last for fan experience by a long shot is the Frostbank Center in San Antonio. The second worst, according to this list, is the Delta Center and Salt Lake City. Why? I don't know. Hashtag nightlife. <laughs> Hashtag uh, people I think just have in their head that Salt Lake wouldn't be a fun place to, I, to travel to. I've been to several other NBA arenas. So have I. Like I've and been I to the Toyota Center understand. in Houston. I was just like, about to bring it up. Oh, wow. What, what an incredible atmosphere we have outside okay. of Toyota Center. Right. Give by the way, by the way. Not any, there's no restaurants that are close by no. or accessible. That, right. The Chase, that caught my eye. The Chase Center in San Francisco, the, the Golden State Warriors moved to, what, three years ago? Yeah, I haven't been to that one yet. It's uh, not dead last, but it's right there near Salt Lake. Wow. And I think part in of it is, is because, well, yeah, because, and you and I have been there. Remember when the Jazz were practicing downtown at yeah. the Four Seasons? And then we'd have to go out, we'd have to take the bridge out oh. to uh, to Oakland for the games. And you're like, this is awful. But also, parking in downtown San Francisco is a friggin' disaster. Yes. Uh, staying downtown in San Francisco is a friggin' disaster because and it's astronomically expensive. We're also very well aware of some of the problems they're having in yes. San Francisco. Yes. So, places like Boston, they're 20th out of 29. Uh, Chicago's 17th out of 29. So, you're not necessarily thinking. So, here are your top ones as a visiting fan. Denver, Cleveland, Indianapolis. Tell me if you told me that these cities are quote unquote amazing to go Cleveland. to. Cleveland, right? Did some guy from Chicago write this article? And then suddenly, plumb in the middle of all this, number four for best experiences: Los Angeles, California, Crypto Center at Crypto.com Center. Which again, I could tell you stories about things I've seen oh, on the yeah. walk from the hotel to the Crypto Center. Oh uh, yeah. That involve people publicly urinating. I've also had, yeah. I've, I've, I've also encountered it. people shooting up on my way to the arena as well. Are you talking about shoot around? No, no, no. <laughs> I think you know what I'm referring to. I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. No, I know. Did I know. they factor that into the uh, game experience? L.A., are you serious? That's right there by the old, with the media hotel for the Rose Bowl that one year was right next to it. Remember? Yeah. Uh-huh. You got that That's yard house across, that. The, across yes. the street. And then... I think we actually had media day for Pac-12 media days. were right there yes. also that one year. That's Not where we stayed. We stayed down. that the first year we stayed. We uh, for the Rose, for the Rose Bowl, Bowl we stayed at right. a hotel that same hotel. And that media day was right there in that same building. Yes, for Pac-12 media day. Not great, but hey, great fan experience because I got some nachos at the yard house. Good job. Well, you you can't say that the, the hotels were cheap, or that it was a great that it was a cheap. Uh, you know, Uber from the airport from LAX either. I have or a short one. I haven't been to all thirty teams in all thirty cities. I don't know, but like, come on, like, how are you? Like, there's so many bad ones that they have on that list. Yeah. I think Salt Lake's just on the list because people just go. <laughs> These people going to heaven up this way ain't nothing to do with this board city. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, it's because it's all because of Chuck. It was all the marketing from Chuck last year. That's all. And right. you know what? We'll take it. We'll have it. Just have us be. Fine, you know what's going to be number one on the list? Downtown Daybreak. 
for the old A's the next few seasons. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, if the Big Ten and the SEC have their way, our lives might be ruined as we know it. I don't know. What's the future of college football and the college football playoff really look like if that uh, relationship starts to blossom even more? Stay with us. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.